All right, hello everybody. Uh, welcome to Frontline Fundamentals. My name is David McPeak. Excited to be here. Excited you're here. We've got a very exciting and a challenging topic today uh, as we review the book, so to speak, Who Moved My Cheese, Dr. Spencer Johnson. Great book. But it talks about change. And change is something that can be viewed as good, be viewed as bad, sometimes a little bit of both. And as we go through in this series, um, as always, these webinars are associated with the articles that I write for Incident Prevention Magazine. Uh, for 2022, this wraps up a series that we've called From My Bookshelf to Yours, where we've talked about some really, really good books, a lot of bestsellers, some uh, by fellow CUSPs. Um, and and I, I personally learned a lot from it. I hope you have. And again, today our topic is Who Moved My Cheese by Dr. Spencer Johnson. Uh, a great book. Some of the other ones that we've talked about, Seven Habits, Extreme Ownership, The Success Principles, It's Your Ship. And as we go through today, and as you think about this whole series, um, and you can go back and read all the articles on, uh, online on the Incident Prevention website. I want you, one, one thing that I think is very powerful as I read books is to think about the commonalities in them and some of the very common themes when you think about things like culture, leadership, and safety. And a lot of these books in very different ways say a lot of the same things. All that being said, let's jump into and talk about change and who moved my cheese. Great book. It's uh, for those of you that haven't read it, it's a fairly short little book. And I said in my article, but one of the things that it says is it's a gem. It's small and valuable. And I was first introduced to this book. <laughs> it it kind of scared me at the time, honestly. Uh, I was working for a very, very large contractor in the utility industry. And our senior vice president of HR, who was my boss, my boss's boss, technically, I guess. I worked in the safety department and we got a new vice president of human resources. And the first thing he did when he came in was give us all a copy of this book and a week to read it. And then we had a meeting scheduled to go over it. And it was like, oh Lord, he's gonna come in and change everything. Not true, but think about your initial reaction to change. And this book just does such a great job. It's a parable of four characters and they're living in a maze. Two of the characters are mice, two of the characters are little people. And in the book, change represents what you have and what you want in your personal and professional life. And the maze is where you look for those things that you want. And it's really interesting when you think about the characters. And I, I feel sure that in every one of us, there are some of each of these characters. We probably gravitate a lot towards more one, uh, one more so than the other. That has to do a lot with whatever change may be happening and our experiences with similar changes, the kind of culture that we live and work in, uh, our personality styles, not necessarily a right or a wrong, but I hope if nothing else today, we can establish that first of all, change is going to happen. And as we walk through this book and we talk about these four characters and how they react to change, one of the things that I want you to think about is identifying needed changes and making those before somebody forces a change on them. Um, I, I think of safety, right? And I think of safety performance. If there is a performance gap in terms of safety, that's going to get fixed. Now that might get fixed through audits and observations and near miss and near hit reporting some proactive things, which would be really good. It may get fixed because a very serious injury or something worse happens, but sooner or later, those things are going to get fixed. Now, if you and your team can identify those changes, especially if it's a performance related thing and make them yourself rather than somebody force the change on you, that's almost, always going to go better. There are undoubtedly in the in the utility industry that we all work in, right? I mean, OSHA may make a new regulation. Uh, they came out, it's been what, four, five, six years ago, whatever it was, 100% fall protection. And 
F or clothing. People had a lot of resistance to, the, to some of those changes. And now most people appreciate them more than they did, at least initially. But so think about each of these four characters and their natural tendencies, okay? The two mice are named Sniff and Skirt. Sniff, the name implied in itself, sniffs out changes early, looking for and identifying needed change. Um, at the start of the book, and we'll talk about it a little bit, uh, they were at Cheese Station C, and there was just an endless supply of cheese to start with, and everybody was happy. Sniff noticed the cheese was starting to go away, and there was less and less cheese each day. And so, in other words, he identified a needed change because the cheese was going to run out. And then as the mice kind of teamed up together, the little people somewhat teamed up together. We'll talk about that. But uh, so Snip would sniff out the needed changes and then scurry would scurry into action. In, in the book, that means running through the maze and trying to find new cheese. The little people. Him is the one that we probably want to be very careful about. Just completely denied that the change was happening, was completely oblivious to the fact that the cheese was going to run out in, in cheese station C, completely denied and resisted the change, wasn't going to happen, happy where he was and wasn't going to move, wasn't will. Paul, the very same thing at the start of the book, uh, very initially resistant to the change, but then learned to adapt. And so uh, there's a lot of great lessons in this book when we get to the handwriting on the wall, we'll talk about quite a few of them. But one of the things that I want you to think about as you're listening is how do we usually handle change? How do we, a lot of companies, and, and I actually have no problem with it, but a lot of companies have change management departments and semantics here for sure, but Managing is about things, deadlines, budgets, those sort of things. Leadership is about people. So I really challenge you to think about how do we lead change? And we can learn a lot of great lessons from this book. So here's what happens. So now you know sort of the plot. It's a parable, four characters. The maze is where we look for what we want and what we need. The cheese is what we want and what we need. And then the four characters, of course. So early in the book, when it starts, um, all four characters find cheese at the end of a corridor in Cheese Station C. What's interesting is they all go there every morning to enjoy, and I, I kind of wish that word was highlighted on your screen right now. But it's their cheese. They are enjoying their cheese. Now, here's the thing. They don't have any clue where that cheese came from. They just show up and it's there, but it's their cheese. They are now entitled to it. And so obviously there's a bunch of cheese in Cheese Station C. They all show up every single day over time. They, they're eating the cheese every day. Then it happens. They run out of cheese. There's no cheese left in Cheese Station C. Now we talked earlier, start thinking about those characters. Snip. Sniffed out that, noticed it was happening. Scurry's kind of been running around the maze a little bit looking for cheese. And the two little people are just there without cheese. And they're mad about it. And it's, it's really funny if you read the book, their reaction to how furious and upset they get because their cheese that they're so entitled to is gone. So let's, let's really examine those responses and think about how we handle change, okay? So the mice have been arriving every day early and they notice the cheese supply getting lower. They're not surprised. And it's, it's really cool. Uh, they show up every day with their jogging shoes so they can run around the maze tied around their neck. So they're ready to go. It's, it's obviously a problem that they don't have food that morning. But the fact that the cheese is gone is not the end of their world and their existence. So Sniff keeps smelling for the cheese, whatever direction Sniff points him in, Scurry goes. And they find new and better cheese at Cheese Station Inn. Now, it's good for them that they found new cheese and better cheese in the book. I will not promise you that all changes will lead to better results than what you have now. But change will happen. Now, opposite the mice, 
the little people, they, they don't handle this well at all. They, they just continue going to cheese station C each morning, the definition of insanity, right? Doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. And they just hope the cheese is going to show back up. That's their whole solution to the problem. Now, time passes and Hall finally decides that he needs to leave and search for the maze. And then as he's going through the maze and as he's thinking about this situation and, and find some sea, uh, cheese and cheese station in and whatnot, he's leaving clues on the wall, hopefully for him, who sadly enough, as far as we know in the book, never leaves cheese station C. So we don't exactly know, but you, you can kind of assume how that ends up for him if he never left cheese station C and there's no cheese there and you need cheese to live. But in, in an effort to sort of document what he's learned and to provide a map for Hall, him put some handwriting on the wall throughout the maze. And whether you've read the book or not, I, I just wanted to set up because what I really want to focus on in our time together is that handwriting on the wall and lessons learned and how that translates for us into our jobs and our lives and how we lead manage change. So the handwriting on the wall. It's one of the very first things that Hall acknowledges and that we all need to think about is change happens. So in the book, Change is Cheese, they keep moving the cheese. Now, I would like for us just to brainstorm right now. You can use the chat window or whatever, or just think about it in your mind. But what kind of changes do you encounter on a regular basis? I know right now, probably one of the biggest ones for everybody is uh, in this world of recruiting and retention and folks coming and going, finding and keeping qualified employees. Um, wouldn't it be nice, especially from a culture and leadership perspective, if we could just build our team and keep that team together and everybody in the same roles for the next 20 years? Boy, wouldn't that be nice? Um, and I think sometimes that we, we kind of set ourselves up for the fact that that's our expectation and that's what's going to happen. Probably not the case. I read a fascinating article and I tried to find it and I can't remember where it was. Um, and, and essentially what, what it said was, and I'll probably get the numbers wrong, but I'll get them close, was 10 or 15 years ago, the average person had like two or three jobs. And now in today's world, the average person has like somewhere between 15 and 20 jobs. People come, people go. Uh, uh, people mentioned organizational structures, uh, reporting structures, changes in processes, procedures. Uh, we have, and a lot of times it can be good. Uh, sometimes it can be bad, but we have changes in technology. We have changes in regulations. We have changes, and some of them are really good. Uh, one change that, that really excites me is just the way safety is viewed in today's world. And what I mean by that is if you go back 10, 15, 20 years ago, and at least some organizations, I won't go as far as to say most, but safety wasn't really that important, if we're honest. And then for good and bad and valid reasons, um, safety became more important to organizations. Their understanding at that time of how to handle safety was to dictate, uh, do this or else kind of thing. And that created a very fearful culture where folks didn't necessarily report everything they should, which includes near misses and near hits, but also incidents that happened. In that environment, what actually happened was incident rates and whatnot started coming down uh, when safety wasn't actually improving. Now, some for most organizations, somewhere in the last 10 years or so, we've started to really understand human factors and gain a deeper understanding of leadership and shifted away from that culture of instilling fear. And a lot of folks are, are really doing and promoting good cultures. That's an example in my mind about a very positive change that happens. But whether you're thinking about culture, whether you're thinking about people, whether you're thinking about your family or your coworkers, whatever it may be, change is going to happen. And, and that's one of the things that we need to acknowledge. 
Um, so if we start by acknowledging that change can and will happen, the obvious next step then is we need to anticipate change. And I like to keep these frontline fundamentals uh, and most everything I do safety focused because obviously safety is super important. But as I mentioned earlier, if unsafe acts or behaviors or conditions exist, they need to be fixed. Anticipate those changes. If there is a job or a task that you consistently struggle with for whatever reason, there's probably some kind of change needed. If you have a software system that's not working like it should, it doesn't provide you the information you need, that's probably a change that's needed. If there is continuous conflict, real negative kind of conflict within a group, there's a change that needs to happen. And a lot of the times, if we're not resistant to the thought of change, it's fairly easy to anticipate what changes we need to make. But if we are completely resistant to change and don't want change to happen, it is extraordinarily difficult to anticipate needed changes and make them ahead of time. So, uh, Anticipating and monitoring change obviously go together. And then adapt to change quickly. And I love some of these, the way they phrase it in terms of cheese in the book, but right, change happens, they keep moving the cheese. Anticipate change, get ready for the cheese to move. Keep in mind, at the start of the book, they had this wonderful supply of cheese in Cheese Station C that they had no idea where it came from. So, if you don't know where something came from and what the source of it is, it might be uh, logical to think this cheese could move. Monitor change. Smell the cheese often so you know when it is getting old. So let's talk about monitoring safety. This is where we get into audits, observations, looking at near misses, near hits, looking at incidents that have happened, talking to people, folks closest to the work, really gain situational awareness about what's actually happening. Again, go back 15 years ago. We were happy that our incident rates were coming down, but the reality was they were coming down because folks weren't reporting things. So we have to have situational awareness about what's actually happening so we can adapt and, and, and hopefully we can proactively lead change rather than reacting to it. Well, I guarantee we'll do a little bit of both. But the quicker you let go of the old cheese, the sooner you can enjoy the new cheese. And I'm one, I don't know about you, but how often do we use these things in today's world? Your, your smartphone, right? I, I heard somebody tell me one time, uh, he was, it was a speaker at a conference I was at, and this was so classic. He got up on stage and he was introducing himself and he said, I am a king. And I was like, what the heck is this guy talking about? But he pulls his phone out of his pocket and he said, think about it, right? A king can summon food. A king has a horse or a chariot or a car or whatever else that comes and picks him up wherever they want to go. Um, a king has an infinite supply of entertainment and information associated with whatever they enjoy and whatever they need. Uh, so phone makes you a king, right? And I thought that was really kind of cool to think about that, but I don't know how you feel about it, but it absolutely, I just despise when I get the update and it's a mandatory update that I've got to make and or heaven forbid, I have to change the whole phone out, right? Because as much as they say you pull the SIM card out of one and pull it, put it into another, uh, it just seems like, at least from my past experience, right, then I got to go back and put all my apps and all the folders that I had, and I can't find anything. And uh, just today, for whatever reason, a new button popped up on my email that's got everything visually where I like it. Uh, point being, that's an example of where I am very resistant to change associated with technology be it uh, the laptop that I hung on for way too long, uh, back to monitor change, it was definitely going out. Um, but I held on to that laptop because I love that laptop. It was my laptop, the way I wanted it, the uh, whatever. And I really was struggling to let go of my old cheese with it. 
the night before a really big presentation that I had, I'm sitting in a hotel room and the thing just died, completely went kaplooey. And that was probably about uh, three or four months ago. And I still, I mean, by all the, the tech specs and speed and everything else, my, my new laptop is so much better than my old one, but it's not my old laptop. And so I still, that's one in that particular scenario that, that I need to work on a little bit. The quicker you let go of old cheese, the sooner you can enjoy new cheese. And decidedly a great example of new cheese is different roles and responsibilities. Um, I imagine a lot of you, if you work in safety, like I do, and you have a history in safety, there was probably a point in, the, in your career where you were doing something completely unsafety related and somebody appointed you into safety. And I'm glad that they did because I know a lot of you and you've made a huge difference in your organization and the industry and that's great. But if we were just resistant to that and weren't willing to take on new roles and responsibilities, how would that have worked out? So roles and responsibilities are going to change. It goes back to even what I said earlier about recruiting and retention, uh, your team, your role on that team, your coworkers are not a static thing. The culture at your organization is not a static thing, it's dynamic. So um, in the handwriting on the wall, we go from change happens, anticipate change, monitor change, adapt to change quickly. And then very, very simply change. Move with the cheese. And on top of that is enjoy change. As it says in there, savor the adventure and the taste of the new cheese. Remember in the book, when they switched from cheese station C to cheese station N, they got better cheese. Not all changes we make are going to result in a better situation or more enjoyable for us, more enjoyment for us. But decidedly, the less that we hang on to what we know and what we're comfortable with, um, the, the more we probably will be able to enjoy change. The, the two specific examples from our industry, um, one probably works for this. The other one probably could go either way for a lot of you. But my experience, most of the folks that I talk to 100% fall protection. Folks that were new to the industry absolutely loved it, thought it was the greatest thing in the world. Folks that had been in the industry for 10, 15, 20 years despised it. They had been, I had people tell me, I've been climbing poles for 15, 20, 30, 40 years. My dad climbed poles for 15, 20, 30, 40 years before me and his grandpa before him and so on and so forth. And it worked fine and we didn't have 100% fall protection. We didn't need it and I'm not going to use it. And in that kind of attitude about a change that was being forced on people. Really think about that. It was being forced on people. It's not something they wanted to do. And so one, one of the huge lessons for us is as we think about this topic of change and as we think about how to lead change, there is probably nothing more important you can do for your team than to involve them in the decision-making process ahead of change. And we'll talk maybe a little later on uh, about what that looks like. But interesting, if you talk to those same people that six, seven years ago had that attitude, a lot of them now, not all of them for sure, uh, actually have come to appreciate 100% fall protection and the, the safety and security that it provides them as they're climbing. And it, it's decidedly as they train new employees and apprentices and whatnot, made that process a lot safer. And so it's probably a good example of the quicker you let go of the old cheese, the sooner you can enjoy the new, new cheese. The FR clothing, uh, that one's probably a little more challenging for most folks because uh, this time of year, folks probably appreciate it a lot more than they do in uh, July and August. But, you know, it is something that is probably a lot less comfortable and, and whatnot. But uh, hopefully we can at least appreciate the protection that it provides us. Those tend to be some of the more difficult changes when you have changes that come down from either the organizational level or a regulatory agency or whatever. 
and it is a new safety role, rule, procedure, or process, or a new PPE that people perceive is going to make their work more difficult, make it take longer, and, and take away some of their comfort. Um, but, so if, if you're either a, a mouse or a little people in the book, you started at cheese station C, your cheese ran out. You go find cheese, and again, at cheese station N, you don't know where that cheese came from. What might could we anticipate that might happen at cheese station N? Yeah, the cheese may run out at cheese station N. So now we go back out into the maze, and we go down some other corridors that we hadn't been to before and whatnot, and we're looking for that next cheese station. So uh, that, that's a great example of one of the things that we need to do, especially with safety, is to look at history. Now, I'm not talking in, in, in history. Uh, you know, you're only required to keep safety records for five years, most standards anyway, at least by the OSHA record keeping standard. But even five years ago, probably a lot's changed. But in your last two or three years or six months, I think it's really important to look at what's going on, what's happened, and realize that uh, there's probably patterns that may repeat themselves unless some changes are made. And so that goes back to our need to monitor change. Smell the cheese often so you know when it's getting old. And understand, really, really look at not the, the top words here, change happens. They keep moving the cheese. Then we sort of go through some handwriting on the wall and we get to the end of the handwriting on the wall. Be ready to quickly change again and again. They keep moving the cheese. They keep moving the cheese. Change is going to happen. Uh, we, we've talked about change drivers already. Um, I'm, I'm just curious right now, how many of you that are listening have had some kind of I won't define it, but let's just say a significant organizational change where you work in the last three months, let's just say. How many of you, the team that you work with, the, the structure of it has changed in the last six months? How many of you have had to roll out some kind of a rule or a procedure or a process that people were very resistant to and call it the last year? And for the majority of it, those things are true. So let, let's pick a couple of examples and use the handwriting on the wall and maybe think about some of the change drivers and whatnot and talk about how we handle that. Now, I am talking very specifically, I mentioned some of the books in this series, one of the ones was The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Great book. I, I love that book. Chapter one about being proactive. Stephen Covey gives us our circle of concern, as he calls it, and then our circle of influence. And I'm targeting this discussion at our circle of influence. That's you and that's your team. Uh, for most of us, at least, actually for all of us, it really wouldn't matter even if you're the owner. Some of us may have more influence over the whole organization than the other. But one of the mistakes that I think people try to make organization, not try to make, one of the mistakes that people make organizationally is trying to affect change across the whole organization rather than starting with their team. So this is a conversation about how to handle change on your team. and. I'll give, uh, and I apologize if some of you have heard me use this example before, but I, I think it's just absolutely perfect example of how to lead change and how not to lead change. So uh, I'll give you two if we have time. The, the first one goes back to 100% uh, fall protection when it come out. A lot of organizations just went and did their research, talked to some manufacturers, figured out what devices qualified, what devices didn't. Uh, they did a cost analysis and whatever, and then they decided which ones they were going to use, and they just gave it to everybody, gave them a little training on how to use it, and told them they had to use it. One organization I work with, uh, and, and in those organizations I was just talking about, obviously, 
there was a lot of resistance to that change. Another organization, now the standard didn't change, and I think that's important, is rather than make the decision for everybody, they assembled a group from their workforce, the folks from representative uh, of each department of the organization and whatnot, the folks that climbed the most and said, all right, look, we have to do this. That's not what this is about, but you do have some input and say into, and then they said, you know, here's this device from manufacturer one, manufacturer two, manufacturer three, manufacturer four, try, see which ones you like best. And that group came back and made a recommendation. And, and that group was actually the one that ended up doing the training for the organization as well on how to use this device. But it went a lot better at that organization. In other words, they involved the folks that were on their team as much as they could in the decision-making process. Um, the other thing, uh, and, and it's such a great point, lead by example. Now, I guarantee you, everybody logged in right now has number one, either been in a meeting or number two, led the meeting or three, both, where somebody, somebody who in the past has been me before, I've done this. There, there's one of these changes we're talking about that I don't like, and I know everybody else isn't gonna like. So I walk in the meeting, I've got my materials, I've got the new OSHA regulation, I've got the new company policy, whatever it may be, in my hand. I hate it, I know you're gonna hate it, and here's the way the whole meeting goes. Guys, girls, I don't like this any better than you do, but we're going to have to do it. And if you don't, we've written a new rule, rule rule number 16, and in line three, paragraph two, right here in bold, it says, if you don't follow this rule, you get one morning and then you're fired on the second offense. So like it or not, this is something we're going to have to do. How many of you have ever experienced that? How many of you have ever led that meeting before? How many of you have ever been to that meeting before? Now, I am not sitting here telling you that it is your job and your role and your responsibilities, some words we used earlier, to like and agree with every change that's going to happen. That, that's not going to happen. What your role and responsibility is, is to, as much as you possibly can, understand the change, understand why it's happening. Give the change a chance and think about how it can benefit people. Think about the questions that you have. Get those questions answered because those are the same questions your team's going to have. And honestly, I think that's probably the single biggest problem with change is either non-existent communication and or ineffective communication. And it's people not really understanding why the change is happening. And yeah, I mean, how often do you hear people say, well, the only reason we're doing this because we got this group that's paid to do this. And if they don't do this, uh, then they won't have a job anymore. So they're just making us do all this stuff. There's not a department somewhere that's whole goal is to make your life more miserable. There's not. I know sometimes you think there is, but it's not. Nor are there people that that's whole goal in life is just to change. Well, that's not a true statement. There are people in terms of change that do probably want to change everything all the time. And there are people on the extreme that don't ever want to change anything ever. Most of us probably fall in the middle somewhere. But there's usually a reason for changes, especially the big changes we're talking about, like rules and regulations and whatnot. Uh, the, the other example that, that I love, a uh, very practical example, the driver monitoring technology uh, that came out five, six years ago, whatever it may be, and, and how a lot of different companies handled that. One company, uh, I, I mean, this is so bad, so bad. They, they put the driver monitoring in all their vehicles and didn't even tell anybody that it was in there. And then literally started issuing discipline for folks, uh, sometimes when it was the fault of the system and not the fault of the driver whatever, but probably a bad way to handle change. Uh, another company, like I said, gave their employees a, a few options, some of their drivers, 
shared some of the reports with them, talked about off-road vehicle taxes and some of the other benefits and explained to a lot of their, their safety folks and operational leaders how they could use it as a coaching tool for drivers and rather than a punitive tool and whatnot. And those folks actually appreciate it. Um, and somebody mentioned earlier, leading by example, that's one of the questions I always ask. And I've made a lot of people mad asking this question over the years. Uh, in organizations where there's a negative culture um, and you take a, a, something like the driver monitoring technology. And I always enjoy asking the managers and the executives and whatnot if they have driver monitoring in their company vehicles. And usually the answer to that is no. And my, my next response is obviously, well, like, it, it, can your vehicle not wreck? Or are you magically, once you get promoted to manager, supervisor, vice president, are you now immune from traffic or, or whatever it may be? Um, but lead by example. And it, it's, it goes back to one of the books that we talked about in this series was, was my first book, which was titled Frontline Leadership, The Hurdle. And I'll bring that up to say this, because The Hurdle, as that book explains, talks about if you think about in track and field a hurdle and standing at it and trying to jump over it from a standing position, that's almost impossible. Leading change from a standing position is almost impossible. The run-up is creating culture and developing relationships. The more we've done that, the more we've developed trust with the team, the more we know our team, the more we've worked with our team and that sort of thing, we get that run-up. It's a whole lot easier to jump over that hurdle. When folks respect you, when folks value your opinion and when you respect them and value their opinions and you're able to talk about things and you have developed relationships and created culture, uh, it becomes much easier to do all this. In the absence of that, it's almost impossible. Uh, think about that just from uh, in your past, be it at work, be it in your personal, your professional life, it doesn't matter. But there's probably been an occasion for all of us when somebody we completely didn't know, had never met before, had no relationship with whatsoever, forced to change on us. I can guarantee you right now, even if you agreed with and liked the change that were being made, you still hated it because of the way it was handled. That, that run-up of creating culture and developing relationship is so critical in everything that we do as safety leaders especially challenging topics like leading change. So never discount the time and effort that you put into doing those two things, creating culture, developing relationships. And I really want you to think about some of the examples. And it's not that hard to do when you really think about change or really any topic. The best thing we learn from is experience. I want you to think about changes that you perceive that have been handled well, that were well-received, that folks appreciated, and think how they were handled. And then I want you to compare and contrast that with changes that you absolutely despise, that nobody liked, and folks, whatever the change was, folks are still probably resistant to it. Um, it, it cracks me up in, in so many organizations. The time and the effort, I don't know, maybe it's because I was just looking at my computer screen that I thought of this, but it, it really cracks me up in resistance to change. A company will assemble a team, hire consultants, and spend millions of dollars on a new software system. And they'll do all the training and the parallel testing and all that stuff that goes on. Tremendous amount of time and resources. And then train all their employees and get it right. I mean, that's usually, depending on what software system it is, that's usually a, a year, year and a half long process that they put all that time and effort into. And then you go to the, the frontline users of that software six, eight months later, and everybody's got a spreadsheet that they keep and <laughs> just because they, they hate that new software system so bad. Um, sometimes for valid reasons, they may or may not work, but uh, it, it really goes back to something I said earlier. If you're going to implement a new software system, great people to talk to are the end users of that software. Um, but that there's so many examples that we could think of like that. But really do compare and contrast changes that have gone well and changes that hadn't. And whatever made those changes work, do those things. 
And whatever made some of the changes not work, try to avoid those things. There's no secret roadmap to make it work perfectly every time for sure. But probably the most important lesson from the book is if we go back to the characters, just from a stress level, from whatever you want to call it, um, the mice handled it better than the little people. They really did. And there were very few times in the book where the mice didn't have cheese. The little people, on the other hand, didn't handle change well. And they spent a lot of time hungry. And like I said, unfortunately for him, uh, as far as we know, he just stayed at Cheese Station C for forever and probably didn't have a very good outcome solely because it wasn't because there wasn't other cheese. It wasn't because there wasn't better cheese. It wasn't because the cheese was going to be that hard to find. Paul had left him a map with the handwriting on the wall on exactly how to get to it. He just wasn't willing to make a change. And because of that, he had a very bad outcome. So, again, sort of think about how anytime there's a change, right? Think if, if you know, and, and sometimes changes are last minute and we don't understand why, but I, I, just as an example, what if, so I'm in Eastern time, th this session started at one o'clock today. At 12.45, what if you'd gotten an email that said, hey, I'm sorry for the last minute notice, but it starts at 1.30 now. Um, how would you have reacted to that? Would you have thought, would your initial thought have been, well, you know, if, if they're sending that out 15 minutes ahead of time, there must be a valid reason for it. And 30 minutes isn't that bad, whatever. Or would you say, well, I was planning on being there at one and I've got something to do with two, so I'm just not going now. And now I hate them kind of thing. So, you know, how do you, how do you, minor changes, major changes, usually we have some kind of inclination which way we're going. The main thing I'll stress is for you and your team, proactively identify needed changes. Anticipate and monitor. Monitor current conditions and anticipate needed changes. Again, that's through audits and observations and, and a whole lot of other things that the proactive measures that we take. If there's performance or compliance gaps, fix those yourself. And you'll find that those changes, the ones you fix yourself, the ones that you and your team own, will go away. Uh, I'll, the, the last story that I'll share, and, and I think this is truly just how resistant people are to change. Um, organization has a job briefing form. They hire a consultant to change the job briefing form. The consultant changes the form. They roll it out. And by roll it out, I mean they just switched it as your, as your little booklet. These were paper-based forms. Um, but as your booklet expired, you just got a new book with a new form in it. Nobody said there was a new form. There was no training on it. There was no nothing. To the point, somebody from the safety department went to do an observation one day. Uh, the crew leader comes up and says, hey, how do I fill out this new form? And the safety person says, what new form? They didn't even know about it. Uh, so even though it was a, a better form, we'll say, and I'll come back to that because it really was a better form. The way it was handled made people very resistant to that change. So they go back, and this was really, truly interesting, but... They assemble a team of crew leaders and foremen, the folks that use the job briefing form and said, here's the form we've got now. Here's what OSHA says, the five things that have to be in here. Here's some other things we'd like to include, you know, gave them sort of some parameters and said, design a form that's going to work best for you. The story goes, and I think this is such a great example. The content of the form did not change one bit. What changed was they went in the original Word document, moved some stuff around, put some extra space here. They made it look different, but the content was exactly the same. But because the folks that were using the form helped design the form, even though it was pretty much the same exact form, now everybody, everybody is a strong word. Most people absolutely loved it. And especially those that were involved, who also, again, were the folks that helped roll this new form out. Um, Involve your team. 
identify needed changes. Uh, if you get this book, Who Moved My Cheese, and I highly recommend if, if you don't have a copy, it actually comes with a pretty cool little bookmark. I don't know if you can see it, that has this graphic on the bookmark. Um, at least my copy did. I guess I can't guarantee yours will. Uh, but in, in like probably a total of what, 30, 45 words, change happens, anticipate change, monitor change, adapt to change quickly, change, enjoy the change and be ready to change quickly and change again and again. Such great lessons on how to handle change. And I really do believe that now the world that we live in, the pace of change is going to increase. Technology's increasing. Um, the, the work methods, I don't know how many years it'll be, but the, even in the industry that we work in one of the very few industries where robots just can't replace people, which is really cool for us. But there are, you know, with inspections and drones and other things like that, there'll be new work methods, new technologies, uh, new ways, hopefully better ways of doing things. Um, be prepared for those. And, you know, we talked about the challenges associated with recruiting and retention, whereas 20 years ago, you could just hire somebody and they would be with you forever. And that was great. Uh, there's generational differences in the workforce now. That's something that a lot of people really struggle with in terms of their leadership style is changing how they lead people based on what the others need and what they earn and what they deserve rather than the way they prefer to lead. There's just an infinite list of changes that either have happened or will happen. And the better we understand how to lead and manage that change, the better off we'll be. And uh, I think that this group, this book, Who Moved My Cheese, is a, is a great starting point for that. So I, I hope that you enjoyed the article in IP Magazine and, and that you'll read future ones. I hope that you've enjoyed today. I will mention, um, for so for 2022, we did the uh, it was the the theme of all of the articles and webinars was from my bookshelf to yours, and we tried to talk about some really fantastic books and we did. I'll leave those up on the screen for a minute. If if you haven't read, I, I highly read all of them. I mean they're they're all great books. Um, the ones on the three on the bottom are folks from the industry. Uh, we actually had both Rod and Ken own uh, and there's recordings of those webinars if anybody'd like to hear them interviewing them about their books uh for some reason all these new york times best-selling authors didn't want to come volunteer to be part of a free webinar i don't know why uh so that's what we did for 2022 for 2023 my second book frontline incident prevention the hurdle and i want to read to you the subtitle Innovative and practical insights on the art of safety. That's what all the IP magazine uh, articles and, and webinars from Frontline Fundamentals are going to be based on is the art of safety. And I think in today's world, we've gotten really good at the science of safety. Things like grounding and, and I mean, you know, to the point, I could literally go up on my roof right now and jump off and we could calculate exactly how long it would take me to hit the ground and how much force it would be and all. I mean, we're really good at the science of safety. Think about all the protective equipment. We've got cars that'll stop themselves now, collision avoidance systems. We're really good at the science of safety, but the art of safety, how to lead, how to understand, how to develop and how to protect people, um, there, there's opportunities there. And so that's what we're gonna explore. Um, in saying all that, if you don't have the copy of the book already and you're interested, uh, you can scan that QR code, it'll get you there. Um, if if not, it's available, I think, on all the major booksellers, uh, Amazon and, and so on, uh, but Frontline Incident Prevention, The Hurdle. It would be helpful, certainly not required. The articles, the webinars will, will cover the content, but uh, get that, and, and I just can't encourage you enough. Thank you for being here today, and thank you for, for your attention. Thank you for reading the articles, uh, for your participation in the webinar, and, and uh, I hope you all stay safe and be well. But we've still got a few more minutes left. Does anybody have any questions or comments or insights about change or what we talked about today that you'd like to share or examples? 
what are just for my future reference and for everybody's benefit i asked earlier and we got a couple of examples but uh what are some of the changes what are the more challenging changes that you're dealing with right now Ooh, ooh, yeah, yeah. Apprenticeship programs used to be four, five, six years long, and now they're like two years long, combining classifications, construction standards. All the buyout situations in the transitions, organizations splitting, merging, whatever. Um, yep. People going off on their own, making their own rules and work methods. Oh, my word. That's such a good one. Moving to iPads for work timesheets and work orders. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? That's one of those things that when you first roll it out, people, I mean, it's the worst thing you could possibly do to somebody. And then like three or four years later, most of the time you go talk to those same people and they wouldn't fill out a sheet of paper if, 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 for any reason at that point in time but yeah it is it's hard to get people on board it's hard to get people trained understand to do it and then you know the first time they lose connection or the first time there's a problem or an issue or it doesn't work like it's supposed to then they just everybody immediately goes back to paper absolutely yeah mergers reorganization lots of terminations resignations retire retirements is going to be a big one that's a change that all of us proactively identify right now. There's going to be a huge knowledge gap in this industry. There, there kind of is now, and it's going to get worse. So how can we make sure that we transfer that knowledge? Yeah, these, these are a good list, things to think about. Uh, I hope for these and all the changes that you deal with today was useful. I hope that Who Moved My Cheese, I know it's a useful book uh, to help you think about how to deal with change as an individual. And hopefully some of the things we've talked about today helped you think about how to deal with change as a safety leader too. So uh, in the absence of any other questions or comments from anybody, uh, this is January. So our next webinar will be February, March, in March. Um, and I hope that you'll come. Um, as always, these are free, so if nothing else, I promise you'll get what you paid for. But invite other folks, tell other folks about these. If you have specific topic challenges that you'd like for us in IP Magazine to either write about or talk about in these webinars, always happy to hear feedback from folks. Uh, so thank you all. Thank you all again for being here. I, I, I certainly hope that this hour was worth your time, um, and, and I appreciate your time and attention.